be that as it may, God has given us directions in his word, and they are directions that we should follow. This passage of scripture that we read in Acts chapter 10, at the beginning of this, Peter has an experience. He is in Joppa. Joppa is a, a, a coastal seaport village, and he is in Joppa. His hosts were preparing a meal for him, so he went to the rooftop to pray. And there on the rooftop, he had a vision. A variety of animals appeared on a large cloth that seemed suspended in the air. And it came down right in front of him, and the voice of the Lord told him to get up, kill, and eat. Every single animal was considered unclean by his dietary standards, and he objected. Peter objected, and he said, not so, Lord, I have not eaten of unclean animals because of the dietary procedures that were found in the law. Every single animal that he was seeing and was told to kill and get up, kill, and eat was unclean. Three times, this happened three times, the vision came to him, and the word that came to him from the Lord was this, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. At the same time, there are three iterations of this on the way to Peter coming from Caesarea. There's a knock on the door and there are three individuals that are at his doorstep from Cornelius's house. Amen. God is divinely orchestrating some amazing things in this passage of scripture and in this story. Who is Cornelius and who are these three individuals that came from his house? At the beginning of chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Listen to how he lived. He was a devout man. He was one that feared God with all of his house. He gave much alms to the people. He prayed to God always. This man was pursuing all the God that he knew. And he saw in a vision about the ninth hour of the day. And uh, he responded to that. And the angel of the Lord said, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Let me stop right there and say this. Be careful you don't discount somebody's walk with God, whatever it may be, because Cornelius, his prayers and his alms and his worship came up for a memorial before God. I hope that in my life I'm able to say that there are some things that have ascended before God that is representative of the way I love him, worship him, and pray to him. Amen. And this was significant. And, and the word came that you need to send some men to Joppa and you need to call for one named Simon, whose surname is, is Peter. He's there with Simon a Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. And he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier. And they made their way to Joppa. Peter's strong, strong tradition of cultural segregation was suddenly challenged. Peter's mindset, the gospel and the Holy Ghost and the anointing up to this point was only for the Jewish people knocking on his door are Gentiles. 
and they want him to journey with them. There have been two visions on two ends of the spectrum, and all of a sudden, God is challenging Peter's thinking. A further understanding of Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 helps us. It was already there, but Peter, he still had that obstacle. He still had that barrier in front of them. For it was Peter that said, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. But see, he didn't cross over that boundary of cultural segregation between different types of people. It was there. It was a promise, but Peter still couldn't see. It. I want to tell you and declare to you in the house of God that the gospel is for every body. There should be no divisions. And Peter was thinking, how is this going to be? And God challenged his thinking. God needs to challenge our thinking. When somebody comes into the house of God, it doesn't matter what they look like. God is able to touch them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. I want him to challenge my thinking. Well, that might be a homeless person. We've had homeless people come to the house of God, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now they got a vehicle. Now they got a car. They can get to work. They're working. They've got a house. God's doing great things in their life. Why? Because somebody said God is able to do what seems impossible. He can challenge our thinking. And we're up to the challenge to say, God move. Amen. God move. God move. So Peter, he makes the journey with them. He goes to Cornelius' house. And we read, he gets up there and he starts giving his testimony. We read in the very beginning, the text, he starts talking about Jesus whom they killed. And here he is, he's describing all of this. And while he yet spake these words, verse 44, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished because some came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is... <laughs> That is awesome. Amen. You know what I'd love to happen? We, sometimes we get, we get so routine that sometimes God even challenges our routine and says, watch this. I'm going to show up and show out, and I'm going to move in a way that you've never seen before. I want those kind of things to happen because I still believe God's in the business of signs, miracles, and wonders. So whatever I'm thinking, God, Blow my mind and do something I've never seen you do before. Move in ways I've never seen you move before. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, they received the Holy Ghost. And verse number 46 gives an interesting little line there. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost, as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. The beauty of chapter 10, the beauty of chapter 10 is the new birth experience is for everyone. I'm thankful to tell you I've had the opportunity to be in Ethiopia. I've seen people receive the Holy Ghost. It's for everyone. I've been in Kenya. 
people received the Holy Ghost. Had the opportunity to be in Peru, people received the Holy Ghost. And there are places that I've never been. It's the same experience for everybody because God pours out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. We're not only here in this building, but our influence reaches out to missionary works across this world. Thank God the Holy Ghost is still being poured out. Thank God there's still a moving of his anointing and his spirit. It's the same God here that is there. We serve a great God and his name is great and he's worthy to be magnified. Amen. The beauty is the new birth is for everyone. That should be our thinking. Last Tuesday night, we talked about the gospel, which is death is inevitable. And death stinks no matter how it touches us, whether it is at the end of a life or whether it is sudden. It is something that is an invader into what, what seems to be a normalcy of life. It doesn't fit. It doesn't seem right. And death is there because of the fall, and sin enters into that equation. And God, from the inside, starts working outward and gives to us a hope that death is not going to control, the grave is not going to silence, because Jesus Christ conquered death and the grave. We serve a living God, and he provided to us an opportunity for eternal life. That is the gospel. Jesus has done great things. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the good news, and that has implications for death and the grave. No longer are you going to be able to control humanity, even the greatest of humanity. You cannot escape death, and yet Jesus revealed that he was going to be able to conquer death and the grave. Through the work of Calvary, through the ability of Calvary, he is able to accomplish something that gives us hope. And so there is a proper response on our part in how we apply that gospel to us. Our response to the gospel. Our sinful nature separates us from a holy God. But Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again to redeem us from our sins. Anybody here tonight have a testimony of redemption? God brought you a long way. Praise God. Maybe you didn't even know you were a sinner, but when you heard the word of God and you recognized, I am great, great need. Everything that I try to do, everything that I try uh, to accomplish ends up in failure, but God's a God that comes in and gives me the ability and strength, and he redeemed me from some things. We respond to that good news, the gospel and we apply it to our lives when we are born again. There is a spiritual death that took place in the beginning in the garden. There has to be a rebirth for there to be a connection once again to the God that we serve. Praise God. If you're not born again, you need to be born again. It is scriptural. It is something that Jesus Christ died for because he wants you saved. Amen. So our scripture that we need to read together is Acts chapter 2, verse 22. And we'll read two verses there, and then we'll jump down to verse 36. This is Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. They have gathered in an upper room. They're waiting for the promise that Jesus told them to uh, tarry in Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost falls. It moves out into the streets. People see all of this commotion. Peter stands up, begins to preach. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, you men of Israel, hear these words. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. The grave cannot hold him, cannot keep him, cannot restrict him. Amen. It was not possible that he would be holden of it. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The response of the crowd at the preaching was, men and brethren, what shall we do? How do we apply what you're saying? And the action was found in Peter saying, you need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sin and the Holy Ghost, the promise will come to you. I want to declare emphatically, emphatically to you right now that that promise is still a promise that continues I've, I've opened some theological books and I've looked at people who are supposed to be smart and know things and they say stuff like that was for the early church that was for a particular time frame well I'm sorry and I want to be nice but you've come too late to tell me that the Holy Ghost is still not poured out upon all flesh because it's still being poured out upon all flesh it's not just for the first century church. It's for our century's church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's still calling. And he's still reaching. And he's still filling. Have you ever wanted to change? Have you wanted to change your body, your habits, or your attitude? There, there are things that we will do. And we'll launch out on a course of self-will to try to accomplish that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's all kinds of diets, which are probably not the best thing. They're short-term. Uh, but it, it's an effort that is a good effort. I believe that you should take care of yourself. I believe that. I think that's good. I think the scripture that said godliness with contentment is gain, great gain and, and bodily profit, exercise profiteth little. That was not saying that you shouldn't exercise at all. If you stop exercising, you stop moving. Amen. I was talking to somebody just recently. They said, I work out, so when I work out, I feel better. Well, there's a reason for that, because you're, you're moving. Amen. Brother Dick Smith told me, he said, I, I, I got in my, my recliner, and I couldn't get out of it, so I had to go back to the gym. Well, it's kind of humorous because those that were close to him said he didn't do a whole lot of working out at the gym. He did more talking at the gym, but he had to get there, right? <laughs> he had to get there and he had to walk around. And he had to talk to people. So he was doing something. He said, if I just sit in my cleaner, I get all, as Brother Laren Kaufman said, his father, Brother Clarence Kaufman taught him, he'd be all stoved up. And it's not good to be stoved up. <laughs> 
So there, there are some, there's some good things to exercising. And when you try to change some things, I believe it was Bishop that was talking about habits on Sunday morning, how long it takes to form new habits. You get in a rut of certain habits to break out of that. It takes, it takes some effort to get out of those habits. How about changing your attitude? There's some things that I could do to change my attitude. I could distance myself from social media and stop, stop reading some things and involving myself in some things because I'm, I, I want to change some things. Our own resolve and will will get us somewhere, but usually it's seasonal. It's for a certain period of time. We, we can forge some things on our own will under our own merits, but at some point it falls short. It falls short. This is where the power of God has to come in. We can't adjust our selfish nature with enough behaviors to graduate from our tendency of sin. It's a natural tendency. It's an inclination. Our selfish nature will take over. So this is why our heart has to become new. This is why there has to be a new birth experience. There has to be an application to what Jesus has done. And this is one of the most frustrating things that I've seen in the religious world is everybody wants to be saved, but everybody wants to act the same way and do the same way, and they don't want to apply anything, anything to their life because that would take sacrifice. Well, stop and think about it. If Jesus sacrificed for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, we should apply that death, burial, and resurrection to our own lives if, in fact, he is our example that we should be following. Praise God! For an apostolic church that's still preaching, you need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Where in the world did she come from? Praise God. Run the aisles. Run the aisles. Hallelujah. Amen. She made it to the right spot. Praise God. Amen. Don't, don't worry about all these kids. All right? We're having revival, okay? <laughs> Uh, they're teaching you to listen and concentrate. And if you can look at me while I'm preaching, when chaos is going on right down the road from you, God's trying to develop you into being a good listener. If you turn your head and you're looking like this, what in the world's happening? God's trying to help you. He's trying to help you with all these babies. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Life, 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 life. Revival. We need to pray for some of these couples in Jesus' name. You need to intercede on their behalf. Did you? I'm get, getting ready to go on a rabbit trail. Did you know that there, when you have a child from the moment it's born to about four years of age, you are walking around in a fog? Did you know that? If you were involved in ministries, all of a sudden you can't do the same things because you, you, you are solely focused on trying to get through that particular stage. Husbands, if your wife is in that particular area, you need to help her. Don't be so lost and out of it that, that you don't realize she has struggled because pastors preaching 20 minutes... And she's had to deal with that for 20 uh, times two, 40 minutes. And then when church is over, she feels completely wore out 
You got to step up to the plate and say, hey, baby, <laughs> I was made for you. What help do you need tonight? But most of the time, that's, that's not what happens, right? <laughs> I'll never forget my wife coming to me after church and saying, here, she's yours for a while. Let's be cognizant. Let's work together. And that's good preaching. That's good preaching. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, who said that? Uh, that was a, some mama said that. I think. <laughs> that's right, that's right. The most response I've gotten from you in six months. But, I, man, I, whew, I hit something right there. <laughs> Praise God. Where was I? We, uh, I'm not even sure. Our heart has to change. And, and God's got to change our heart. There has to be an, ap an application to what he has done. This is why in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, the prophet said, A new heart will, will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. What, what the writer was saying here, the prophet was saying here, is there's a law that you need to follow. But if it's only under your own human will, you're going to fall short. And that's why the law was a schoolmaster. Because it showed you where you were wrong, but it never gave you power to overcome. And that's why the Holy Ghost is so powerful, because it gives you the power and the ability to do what you need to do that you can't do on your own. This is why Paul said you are more than a conqueror, because the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you, giving you power to live an overcoming life that you couldn't do on your own. Lifting weights is not going to help you with your sin problem. Matter of fact, in some cases, it makes it worse because now you, you think you're all that and, and you're not all that. That doesn't help. Your sinful nature and your inclinations, it gravitates on its own in a downward trajectory. Thank God there's some hope that says I can get out of this, but I can't do it on my own. But I know that he won't leave me, nor will he forsake me. He's going to walk with me and he's going to put his spirit in me to give me strength. Amen. There's a glimpse here in this passage of being born again long before Jesus would even explain it in the Old Testament. Our human nature, our spiritual nature died the day Adam sinned. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There's the juxtaposition of death and hope and life. Sin separates us from God, and we can't go back and not sin. Once it is done, it is done in the beginning, and it passed upon all men, Paul said. You can't go back and undo what was done. Something different has to, an intervention has to take place, and we have to respond to it. It's like somebody throwing out a lifeline to somebody that's fallen overboard. Jesus has thrown to us a lifeline, but you, you, can't, you can't say, Whoa, praise God, there's a lifeline. you got to grab it. You got to hang on to it. You got to reach out and respond in application to the lifeline that is thrown to you. Grace 
is the gift of the line. That's something that God does. That's, that's God's grace and favor. That's what he's done. He's thrown out the lifeline. Saving faith is obeying and applying the lifeline that is thrown to you. Now, you can reject it if you want, but you're probably going to drown. But thank God there are some of us that said, I'm reaching out and grabbing that thing because I don't want to stay in these shark-infested waters. Get me on... Get me back on board on the boat where I'm not out here in this kind of an environment. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God extends to us the lifeline. We have the ability to appropriate it to our life. Our new birth experience begins with repentance and a turning away from sin. Jesus paid the price anybody thankful for that he paid the price for our sins he was the perfect lamb of god without blemish and without spot and he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us when we repent i want us to turn to first john chapter 1 verse number 5 and read the most amazing passage of scripture that we should be edified and strengthened with tonight First John chapter 1, verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. That's the, that's the, that is the desire. That's the ideal. That's what we're striving for. The reality sometimes is what follows. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of of the whole world. I'll tell you what I'm thankful for is when I, I'm, I'm trying to achieve the ideal. I'm stretching myself. I, I, he that is born of God does not sin. That's the ideal. But sometimes our humanity, Paul said in one particular case, he said, keep me from presumptuous sins. Those are sins he doesn't even know about. But he recognized I'm humanity. I'm not God. And so there, I may be even sinning. I don't even know it. And so he prays that God covers his presumptuous sins. When I'm striving for the ideal, but I don't measure up, I'm thankful that there is an advocate that steps in on my behalf and says, I'll cover that for him because I'm the one that, that gave the sacrifice and paid the price. I'm Jesus Christ, the advocate, the helper, the one that stands in the gap, the comforter. And so when I fall, I know there's a God that is willing to wash me and cleanse me and be the advocate against the enemy. When the enemy comes and says, you're a failure, you'll never make it, you'll never amount to 
anything. Jesus said, I paid the price at Calvary and I'm his advocate. And so you're not just going to fight him. You're, you're going to have to go through me. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. And when we confess, he forgives and cleanses us. Repentance is not a one-off. Repentance, Paul said what? Paul said, I do what? I die daily. He's not talking about physically dying every day. <laughs> Bring in the, what are those things? The, the, you try to shock the heart back? What is, huh? Fibulator. Is that it? A-fib? A-fib? Somebody's got A-fib? <laughs> Paul wasn't saying, I physically die every day. He was saying, every single day, repentance is something that is in my life. Every day. Because it is a gift. It is something that is daily. Repentance is an intellectual change. It's a change of views. It is an emotional change. It's a change of feelings. It's a volitional change. It is a change of purpose. I don't see her here tonight because she may be working. But Sandy, she's a new convert. Sandy and Samuel both got the Holy Ghost, was baptized at the tent revival. And I asked her how she was doing. And she said, well, I said, what does that mean? What does mean? You're going to have to help me. That's nonverbal behavior. It's communicating something. It's just I don't know what it's communicating. She said, well, I've gone, I'm gone back to work, but, but I said, well, what? She said, it's just a little different when you go back into the world and you're having to work with people that don't have the same thing that you desire or want. What was she, what was she describing there? She's had a, an intellectual change, changing views. She's had an emotional change, change of feelings, and a volitional change, a change of purpose. And so now there's this conflict. This is one of the reasons why we need to make sure we're connected to new converts because this is, this is a difficult world. Philip, it's good to see you here tonight. Because when those things start transpiring, there's a clash of worldviews that take place. And what they need is strength of the body to say, no, you're on the right track. There's going to be hell that comes at you, but God is greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're here for you. We're going to support you. God's going to do great things in your life. you got a new attitude, a new mind, and you're going to grow and mature to the place where you'll be able to deal with that environment and deal with those circumstances and testify that God pulled me out of all kinds of tragedy and dysfunction. You may not be there yet, but you'll get there because God's going to help you and he's going to grow you and he's going to disciple you. And that's, that's pretty tenuous. That's like new babies. New baby that's born into the world. We don't just, you don't just leave them over there on the side and the doctor and the parent can talk about no, no. You take care and you nurture that child. And eventually it grows up and it becomes on its own. And then it goes through phases. Some phases are <laughs> uh, interesting. 
But at some point, you stand and you're proud because you've seen the maturation process and the spiritual discipline and God doing great things in their life. Repentance is, is all of these things, intellectual, emotional, volitional. It's a change of views, feelings, and purpose. Psalm 51 and verse 17 said, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. God, this is one of the reasons why when young people and children are up here praying, I try to pray with them, and every single time I pray with them, I say something to the effect of God, put something in this heart and life that is something that is a sensitivity to your spirit all through their life. They're in an altar right now praying, lifting their hand. I pray that that same sensitivity, it will walks with them all through their life. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You will not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Mark 2 and verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I am come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus got very, very angry when the Pharisees would come around. One particular case, he said, O generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, the God that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Don't fall back on things that you think are significant, but confess and I'll bring to you an opportunity for mercy. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death Godly sorrow is different than worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow, you're afraid, you're upset because you got caught. But godly sorrow says, I'm going to change some things. I'm going in a different direction. It's not about just getting caught. It's not worldly sorrow, but it's a godly sorrow. Hallelujah, that moves me, grows me, develops me. Praise God. There's a big difference between those two. And what we need to continue to preach and believe is that godly sorrow is the way out of a lot of situations. Paul said you need to take revenge on those things. What 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 thoroughness, what clearing of yourself, what revenge because you wanted to make things right. You wanted to be right. In the kingdom of God, you recognize your place in terms of the spirituality of your soul. And instead of getting into a fracas with everybody else about opinions and everything else, you said, "God, I want I want to matter to you." want to matter to you. Repentance also includes with it a willingness to make restitution. Jesus said, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember you have something against your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. There is a, a willingness to make restitution. Zacchaeus is a great example of this. Zacchaeus said to the Lord, behold, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. The prevalence of sin in our world and our instinctive proclivity toward it is staggering. Staggering. People will do some of the dumbest things because of this. I 
have done some of the, you're not supposed to say stupid, right? Dumb. I've done some of the dumbest things because of a, a natural, instinctive proclivity toward sin. If we were left to conquer sin on our own, we would be hopeless. What do you think a lot of people try to do with their sin if they don't have God? What do they do? They'll find all kinds of coping mechanisms to try to ignore it, get beyond it, bury it, get in some kind of alcoholic fog where they don't even have to think about it, some drug-induced state to where they don't have to deal with it. They're, those are coping mechanisms. Immorality involved in all kinds of illicit kind of relationships. Why? Trying, 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 to, <laughs> trying to get skirt past some of the problems or difficulties in their life. Thank God that there's an opportunity to confess our sins and know that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The repentance is a gift. It is a gift, a gift that God grants to us. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to have a repentant heart and attitude. I want to have a spirit that's sensitive to him. Amen. If you've got wrong in your life, recognize and understand, I can take that to an altar and know that God will respond to me. Jesus took time out to go to Zacchaeus' house. There was such an impact on Zacchaeus' life that he said tax collectors were detested in Jesus' day. They were considered the lowest of the low. Why? Because they were cheats. And Zacchaeus had such a, an encounter. Amen. Such an encounter with God. That he said, if I've done anything wrong to anybody, I'll restore it fourfold. Restitution, repentance. Amen. And, and applying repentance is a type and a, a practical application of applying the gospel. Because if Jesus died, it's a representation of repentance. We're dying out to some things and we're... We're changing our thought patterns and we're changing our action and we're changing things in our will and we're adjusting them not to our own will, but we're adjusting them to the will of God. Praise God. I have a sneaky suspicion to, to think that most people think repentance as something that is negative. As a matter of fact, I've had conversations with people that thought that somebody that comes to the well is coming to the well because there's a problem. That may very well be, but not if the person recognizes repentance is a gift of God. And I'm coming to the well and I'm praying because I want to make sure I'm in right alignment with God. Amen. And there's nothing that is an obstacle in my life. Praise God. The well should be one of the most cherished real estate in the house of God because it represents a place where people lift their hands and catch a glimpse that I don't have to carry this burden and this load around with me anymore because Jesus Christ paid a great, great price 
and he gives to me the gift of repentance to unload some things. Did you know that there are some things that's better off between you and God? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Be careful what you say out of your mouth to other people because you could be sabotaging relationships that are close to you. There are some things that, that, I, that I shouldn't repeat and say to, to some people that are close to me because the perception may not be right. But I can come to an altar and say, God, I'm going to put that person in your hands. I'm going to trust in you. I need you to help me through this. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm preparing a place for you. You got to help me work through and resolve some of these things. God will do it every time when you put him to the test. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift. And as we stand in the house of God tonight, we need to be a people that is sensitive to the fact that we have that opportunity and God is our advocate and he stands in our behalf. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and love him together. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for a new birth message that includes a very, very important step in walking with you. And that is to open our heart and respond to you. I thank you, Jesus, and praise you. Hallelujah. I worship you and magnify you. Thank you, Lord.